What happens when you let a bully come and just, let's say, take your chewing gum? What does he take the next day? What does he take the next week? When you just don't push back. And this is a careful line we need to walk as, as people being discipled and choosing to follow the Lord Jesus because we have to turn the other cheek. And as a society, though we're to stand up for the word of God, we're to defend and promote the word of God, we're to live by it, and we have a political system that is set up for us to participate, and we're told to participate in it. So there's many ways to act with bravery and to be steadfast and brave, as I said, without being physical. And as I think about today's problems and I think about the bully taking the, the, the chewing gum, I turn my attention to the utter emptiness. And I mean a vacuum that is the phrase, oh, I'm, a, I'm a fiscal, uh, fiscal concern conservative, uh, but I'm more of a social liberal. Quote fiscal, quote conservatism is really at least 50% responsible for where we've gotten. Such as this from Anacortes, Washington, Monday. Oh, Todd, you know, I attended 15 protests last year and I have honestly never encountered a crowd like this. They were aggressive. They were pushy, they were physical, and um, it, was, it was really quite a sight. Normally, you yell and scream, but you don't touch people, but these people were assaulting women, out on the, and no one, the police stood across the street. We had, I had to call 911 from the middle of the crowd, and I was told that officers were on the scene. So what was my friend Lynn there protesting? She was there to support an 80-year-old woman who didn't want a young man who a couple months ago apparently decided to call himself a woman to be able to sit in a woman's locker room and stare at little girls who had to pee and had to use the shower. And she told them to leave. She described the scene outside of a city council meeting. This is at least 50% the fault of the shiny-shoed Republicans who lack any and all principles. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. It is Wednesday, tomorrow, 3 o'clock, is the uh, free live webinar with our friend Zach Abraham from Bulwark Capital Management. It's knowyourriskradio.com. Coming up, my friend Lynn Chadwick joins us. She was outside of a city council meeting in Anacortes, Washington, the separate country thereof. She and some of her fellow protesters, she says, were assaulted, tossed to the ground, smacked around by men screaming at them that those women are haters because they insist upon the truth of biology. 
And in my view, of course, the truth of the fact that God designed man and women, a man and a woman. And I thought about this as I was doing show prep and sometimes shows collide. I've been reading a lot about fake meat <laughs> and the forces behind trying to get all of us to eat fake meat. And as I read about this, uh, and we'll talk about this next hour, I started to come back across all of these articles with the party trying to convince people that gyms uh, and fitness facilities are the home of right-wing extremists and, and white nationalists and, and that we should have a goal of lowering testosterone in men. Uh, and that we should have a goal of having men eat less protein. There's truly a movement to try to convince people to eat less protein. And then, of course, you have these Franken foods that are being created and the, 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 the processed foods so that all men can look like Bill Gates. And in this research, as I, as I started to go through and read about this and what's in these products and who's tied in and a whole, hey, look, it's pharma. Oh, wow, pharma's behind this. That's, that's fascinating. How, how could pharma get behind this? And came across some other work like, the, did you know that the rosary is now an extremist symbol? And in studying that, I was looking at what's, the, what's going on with young men. And one of the things that's good news is they're leaving college. And so next hour, I want to talk about that. So this, this sort of comes together. And as I was listening to my friend Lynn prior to our discussion and reading about what went on in Anacortes, it just, it, it just rose up in me. The phrase fiscal conservative is trash. And I think I did a show on this a few months ago. You cannot be a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. So let me explain to me why. Fiscal conservatism requires sanity. It requires a society that has a foundation of truth and objectivity. You cannot be a social liberal and be a sponsor of or an adherent to truth and concrete fact. The two are, in, are they are inexorably separated. So you can scream fiscal conservatism all you want. When you surrender on the so-called social stuff, you are building your, you, you can build a, a tower 110 stories high, the, the, the finest designed tower in the world of fiscal conservatism. And if that is built on the foundation of no truth, no objectivity, no rigorous pursuit of scientific outcomes, just science for money. That tower will fall the first day you put the top story on. It'll fall before it's done being built. Because to be a fiscal conservative means you have to be able to agree, for instance, on what debt is. We can't. Because the endless attack on objectivity and truth and skepticism is required to build Social liberalism. It cannot exist when citizens have the capability of thinking skeptically. It cannot exist when people are, 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 are taught from day one to stand with obvious glaring truth. So this is at least part their fault that we have reached this point. I talked about chewing gum. 
and the bully coming to take your chewing gum. Now, I, I, I'm really struggling, you guys, on this spiritually. I really am. Hey, you come for my chewing gum. I'm uh, it's fine. Have my chewing gum. You know, a beggar comes to me and a beggar wants money. I give the beggar money. I know. I know they buy drugs with it. I know. I get the opportunity to say to them, and I will often, I'll do this. If I'm in a city, I'll say, hey, let me buy you food. Let me get you some water. I'll go do that. I'll go get you food or water, but I'm not going to give you cash. Well, in places like Idaho, there's often no food or water nearby. So I end up giving cash because we're called to support the least of these. But on, on, on the front of the societal bullying, we need to model Lord Jesus. The Pharisees were societal bullies. They had become the technocrats, the bureaucratic technocrats of their time. They were religious bureaucrats. And that was the Jesus who turned over the tables and made whips out of, um, you know, made, made, made whips and whipped the tables and turned them over. That was that Jesus. He was the one who stood at that point with righteous frustration to say, you are defiling the word of God. Because we don't have godly leaders in this country any longer, no one is able to say that. No one's able to speak the phrase, you are defiling the word of God when you pretend that men are women. You are defiling the word of God when you pretend that we don't have immune systems. When you are forcing future generations to live in debt, when the Bible prescribes that we not live in debt, when the Bible describes that we should not apply usury against our fellow, fellow Christians and fellow believers, that believers shouldn't apply usury against believers, when our entire economy is structured in that way, and now it's an economy of force. When you can have big companies come to you, or go to government and say, force people to, quote, buy my product, that's not, you're not engaging in commerce. People aren't buying your product, you're stealing their money. Obamacare was insurance companies stealing people's money. The COVID injections were, were pharma stealing our money and our jobs and our kids and our bodies and our health. It's theft at the highest possible level. But because they wouldn't stop the chewing gum theft or call it what it was, this is, I think, the solution. Call it what it is. There used to be a social security trust fund. Do you remember when, when Al Gore used to talk about, well, a social security lockbox, it's in a lockbox. So it's, it can't be stolen from, it's in a lockbox. Remember that? I used to be able to do a far better Al Gore. The day it came out of the lockbox and the government began to borrow from social security, every single godly person in, in leadership should have been saying, thieves! They should have held a mass, a mass press conference to say, today the government stole retirement money. They're thieves. Thou shalt not steal. They are right now, they're stealing, not just from you, they're stealing from God. Those are God's resources, but they wouldn't do that. Uh, I think uh, it's misguided of my colleagues across the aisle uh, to begin to treat the Social Security Trust Fund as just another uh, issuance for borrowing uh, in, in, in issuing debt on behalf of the American people. No, it's theft. Come out and say it. When the Supreme Court pretended that the Constitution gives the government power to tell bakers 
they have to go celebrate um, what some people refer to as a marriage between the same-sex couples. When, when they construed the Constitution to say, you can be forced to do this, every single Republican should have said, well, then we can force people to take peyote. What? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if a tribe comes in, and it's it's one of the um, it's one of the uh, the western southwestern tribes, and they come in and say, "Hey, we use peyote as a as a religious ceremony, uh, so we need you to come to our peyote ceremony and take some. We need you to smoke peyote." I'm not smoking that. Nope. Sorry, sorry, breaking our religious rights. You're a bigot. You need to take peyote. Wait a minute. Aren't you also the tribe? <clears throat> Didn't you also used to do that thing, the sun dance? where you would pierce your pecs um, and lean against this post and face the sun all day so that you had visions and to see if you could make it all day long, never, never looking away from the sun. Yeah, yeah, we do that too. Do I have to do that? Yes, yes, you have to do that. Well, why? Because the Supreme Court, no one stepped up to say they're stealing freedom. No Republican put it that way. And they steal the chewing gum and then they steal the sandwich. And then they've stolen the whole lunch. And one of the reasons that I am so bothered by the transgender lie is because for almost a decade, I was all alone in talk radio, 100% alone in addressing this. And I know for a fact that colleagues were frightened to address it. And I know for a fact that elected Republicans were afraid of it, scared to death to simply say, what are you talking about? That's a man. And so they let people put words in their mouth like bullies. Have you not seen a bully put words in people's mouths? (laughs) Oh man, I don't even know if I should tell this story, but there was a friend of mine who really had a terrible downfall. Uh, he had uh, kind of convinced the world that he was a tough guy, to, except for those of us who knew him. But he got big and he got strong and he could bench press a lot. He could. Legitimately, he could bench press a lot. He was pretty athletic. Uh, and he could bench press a lot. He couldn't squat or deadlift, but he could bench press a bunch. He'd never been in a fight, but he convinced himself. He convinced a bunch of people he was tough because he, he walked around you know, with big chest. And those of us who knew him knew he wasn't tough or anything like it. He decided to pick a fight with a guy who was on his way to play division one college football at Notre Dame. And I was there because I played football next to him. I was the center. This guy was also on the offensive line. I won't say what position, but I played next to him. And I remember I was, uh, I had to guard this guy most of the night. It was a heck of a challenge. And he, and he, by the way, he was a real gentleman, instant, actually. But this, this, this former friend of mine decided that he would, um, he would cut block him. Uh, he would go under his face mask and try to gouge his eyes. At one point, he kicked him in the, in the, in the groin, um, in a pile up, in a dog pile. He did all, he did all of these things to this guy. And we got done with the game, and this young guy's name was Nick. And he came to me, shook my hand. He goes, hey, hey, heck of a game. And he, I mean, he said different words, but basically heck of a game. Good job. I said, man, so tough blocking you. And, um, and he goes, hey, by the way, what's the problem with your guy? 
And he said his name. What's your problem with it? What's, what's, what's this guy's problem? I said, hey, you know what? He and I used to be friends. I, I don't know. I saw what he was doing. I couldn't believe it. He goes, is he going to be at Dick's later? I said, yeah, probably will be. And this was in Spokane. So my friends, he did, he showed up with his friends and they at the time were really into cocaine and they were at this, this, that the, the little restaurant called Dick's, their drive up, drive through. I was there and in polls, Nick and Nick comes up and we're talking go, Hey, so where's your friend? I go, Hey, like I said, we used to be friends. I don't, I, I don't know where he is. And he looks around and he goes, is that him? I go, that's him. So Nick approaches this guy from my team and invites him to fight. And so my friend's kind of fronting like he's gonna. And Nick, and Nick pushes him back and says, let's go. And he's going to beat the garbage out of this guy. And now my former friend starts to talk his way out of it. Well, look, man, he goes, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were this guy. And Nick made that boy get on his knees and speak words. And I will not tell you what Nick made him say. It's vile. But he made him do it. And at that moment, my former friend no longer had a school. He had to leave our school. He went to the next school. And he tried to carry on the same illusion that he was a tough guy. And I remember, I remember I was at a wrestling tournament and a guy came up to me. His name was Paul. And Paul said, Hey, what's the deal with the guy who came from your school? I go, he used to be a friend of mine. Basically the same story. And Paul said, so you are not friends with this guy. I said, look, we used to be friends. We grew up together, but no, I'm not friends with the miracles. So you're not going to mind if I jack this guy up. I said, Nope. And he did in a hallway, knocked my former friend out. And he had to leave school. Does any of this sound familiar politically? No one on our side is willing to stand up and say, Tony Fauci is a murderer. You don't think he knows what the VARS database says? He's a murderer. No one on our side is willing to stand up and say, we just paid Moderna and Pharma about $500 billion for nothing. Worse than nothing, they're killing people. They're destroying immune systems. They're destroying pregnancies. No one is willing to speak these words. And only now, a decade later, our Republicans, or a decade after this became clear, are Republicans willing to take on the so-called transgender thing, but they use the word and, and, and thereby lose the argument. No one in the separate countries of Washington, California, or Oregon are willing to say, hey, our cities are being purposely destroyed by people who are trying to kill America. Hey, all this drug usage, all the vandalism, all the rapes, that's all on purpose. Jay Inslee in Washington State and Gavin Newsom in California are trying to destroy their states so they can rebuild them because they believe they're going to get richer. No Republican is willing to stand up and say Nancy Pelosi is a blatant thief. 
Insider trading is not just illegal, it is ridiculously immoral. She is a thief. You can scream fiscal conservative all you want. When you won't stand up for boys are not girls, you will not have fiscal conservatism. When you will not stand up for force is not free market, you will not have fiscal conservatism. When you won't stand up and say, you don't get to force anybody to go to any ceremony under any reasons, you will not have a fiscal conservative country. You can't because you're building it on sand. When you are afraid to speak the word of God, I have news for you. God watches. You're afraid to speak the word of God. God's going to turn his back on you. My analysis is God looks at that and goes, sweet, you got it handled. Don't bother me. You are going to fix your country all on your own. Look at you. Look at the big man. You got it handled. Yep, just like every king of Israel had it handled on his own. Just like the heads of Babylon had it handled. Just like the rulers of Egypt had it all handled. Look at you, big and strong. Don't need me. Well, this stuff is never more evident than when you examine the separate country of Washington State and even now the small towns like Anacortes. Where an 80-year-old woman stood up in ways that the shiny-shoed Republicans in that state still won't. There's the exceptions. There's the Jim Walsh's, the Jenny Graham's, uh, the Jesse Young's. There's the, uh, there's, there's the occasional actual conservative. But from the top of the party, Caleb Heimlich, the uh, ineffective, cowardly boss of the GOP over there, this 80-year-old woman is braver than all of them combined. Hey, the SOTA weight loss program, uh, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Someone asked me the other day, why can't I just go to the website and, and read about the program? Well, because there is no program. <laughs> There's not. Weird? No, see, the program is built as they talk with you. The program is built around you. You know, when I began dropping unwanted fat using a, 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 you know, this, this soda type protocol, I was working out two or three times a day, four or five times a week. And I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't have the time. So I might get two workouts in a day, like twice a week. Consequently, I was burning 5,000 calories a day. So it was a far different plan than what I'm doing now as I'm using the soda protocol to lose weight, lose fat. And at that time, most people wouldn't burn 2,000 calories in a day. So how could it be that they could publish a plan that applies to me and applies to you? They, they can't. Likewise, uh, I think of my loved one, my family member who's losing weight, uh, losing unwanted fat. There are a lot of foods she can't eat. She found out she had all these food allergies. There's a lot of things. And I don't think that I'm not saying their preferences. I'm saying she simply can't eat them. That they'll hurt her. How could they have a plan for my relative and a plan for me? 
your, the necessity of the fat that you need to drop from your body, it might be 40 pounds. Well, you know what? That might be doable in your case in seven or eight weeks. It might take other people longer because of how they work and how they eat. So the way to find out the plan is to understand that there's principles. It's to kick your body into fat burning mode. It's to do it at a pace where you're not going to get rebound weight. It's to do it in a way that's manageable so you don't experience a lot of hunger. It's to do it with the support of weekly discussions with the nutritionist. It's to do it in a way that you never need to leave your house. It's to do it in a way that they provide most of the foods as they work to teach you how to cook meals that will fit within this protocol. Those are the principles. But guys, the plan comes after they learn about you. Soda weight loss stands for state of the arts because anything that is one size fits all is one size fits none. And they're the opposite of that. They'll talk with you about what you need to do to get to a sustainable body weight that's the correct composition between muscle and fat because that's the only way you sustain taking off this fat so it doesn't come back. It's sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. So joining me now, my friend, I'm so glad to see, and I wish you could see her, Lynn Chadwick joins me. She was in Port Townsend uh, for the city council meeting about this this situation, this this awful woman, Julia Jamin, this 80-year-old woman. Um, What she did is she said, hey, there's a dude in the ladies' locker room, and this dude is watching little girls get undressed. And she confronted the dude, the man, and said, get out. Uh, you don't need to sit here watching little girls get undressed. And of course, because it's a separate country of Washington, anyone can be a woman. Uh, Lynn Chadwick and her friends last night uh, were going to the city council meeting uh, to stand on the side of logic and truth and biology. And Lynn joins us now. Lynn, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Hey, hi, Todd. Nice to see you. Great to see you. Um, this, there's so much to unpack here, but let's just start with the very beginning of this. You went to Port Townsend, Washington. That's the separate country of Washington, a smaller community. Uh, I would think there'd be more common sense, but we'll find out. What was it like uh, last night? Oh, Todd, you know, I attended 15 protests last year. And I have honestly never encountered a crowd like this. They were aggressive. They were pushy. They were physical. And um, it was it was really quite a sight. Normally, you yell and scream, but you don't touch people. But these people were assaulting women out. On the, and no one, the police stood across the street. We had, I had to call 911 from the middle of the crowd. And I was told that officers were on the scene but they actually were across the street. Um, Apparently they felt it was more important to protect all of the people standing in line for the city council meeting who were not being challenged in any way. So I guess they felt like they were protecting them from us while we were actually being assaulted. They refused, they refused to come over and help us. We had to ask repeatedly. And who was doing the assaulting Lynn? There was a large crowd, mostly men. I have heard from other accounts that the majority of them were from out of town and that many of them were Antifa, but I don't have, you know, firsthand proof of where any of those people live. But it was a very large, very aggressive crowd, mostly men. 
And when you say aggressive, I mean, describe, were they, they pushing people to the ground, shoving people? What was yes. going on? Yes. I witnessed my friend um, being knocked to the ground. She was falling around, flailing on the ground. They were shouting at her. They pulled her shoe off and took her shoe. Um, she was scuffled. Um, she was bruised. Um, yeah. Another friend of mine had her sign stolen and ripped to pieces. Um, someone had her, almost had her phone snatched away. They were shoving. I was shoved more times than I can even just aggressively pushed. And uh, so as they're aggressively pushing you, what sort of things are they saying? And, and they're shoving your friends to the ground and, and fellow truth warriors. What sort of things are they saying to you? Um, they told, they kept chanting, no hate, no hate, go away. <laughs> as they're, as they're shoving, these are young men. Yes. Now, now, were they men pretending to be women or were they men who uh, are okay uh, being men, I guess, ish? Uh, well, I, I don't know what's in their head. Most yeah. of them look like they were just men. Um, but there were some that were impersonating women, but most of them were just men. There were some women there too. Um, but oh, it was a very physical, very angry, very hostile crowd in a very small town. So it was it was frightening to see, honestly. And this is all because uh, a woman named Julie Jamin, uh, what, just talk to what she did. We've run some audio. She addressed a council. I, I don't recall if it was the city council or county council, but uh, she addressed a council because she was in the YMCA locker room and people have to understand that that this this foolish, made up, ridiculous, nonsense uh, piece of gibberish, trash word, uh, transgender means nothing because it can mean everything. I can be transgender now. Watch, I'm transgender now. I'm not. It is a word without meaning, um, and it is such. Uh, it has such little meaning that a young man who apparently, I guess, is on staff can sit in a locker room and stare at little girls getting undressed and, and going to the bathroom and going in and out of the showers. And describe what Julie Jamin did. Yes, correct. And um, by the way, I learned today that this, uh, this uh, man, who's an employee of the Y, had only transitioned four months ago. Well, but there is no such thing as transition. You mean that he transition just only claim, he only began to claim this identity four months ago. And all of a sudden he's a real and true woman, you know, supposedly according to the why. So but he's Julie had obviously was, no surgery. He still has, no. a, he still has penis testicles, Correct. I mean, not that Correct. cutting them off or slicing them off or inverting them or putting this six inch gash between your legs, which is a wound that never heals because that's what they call a, a vagina is a wound that never heals. Um, not that that makes you a woman, but he hasn't even gotten to that step. No. And he still has an awful lot of male aggression. And if he were really a woman, he would understand he doesn't belong in there. Um, anyway, so Julie was, uh, showering off at the Y, um, behind a very thin plastic shower curtain. She's naked. She hears a male voice. She peeks past the curtain. She sees this male standing there watching several young girls get undressed. She came out. She's naked. She said, what are you doing here? She said, do you have a penis? He said, it's none of your business. And then she was told that she was permanently banned from the YMCA for being a hateful, 
person. Unthinkable. There is a picture mm-hmm. in the show notes from a publication called Women Are Human because women are in fact human and 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 woman is not a costume. Uh, it shows a young man with with long hair and glasses and a black shirt and a smirk. I I I construe that to be a smirk. Um, when when Julie was kicked out, uh, how how did they determine that she was the hateful one? Well, apparently his feelings are more important than the safety and privacy of women and girls. It's, it's the women and girls' job to protect his feelings. It's, I knew that when this happened, and Lynn, you know the history on this as, as well as anybody. Um, it was the Pierce County YWCA that started this madness along with three blatantly cowardly sold out uh, shiny shoe professional Republicans. One of them was still in the game, this guy named Joe Fain, who is the, uh, and just remember this, if you shop in Bellevue, um, he's the executive director or was of the Chamber of Commerce of Bellevue, Washington. Joe Fain allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, three, three Republicans could have stopped this. Um, so this is coming home to roost. Now, did you guys get into the meeting? Uh, no, we were not able to go to the meeting because the activists arrived more than two hours early and lined up so that they could occupy every single available seat. So there was no dissenting voices allowed at and, the city council meeting. And I have seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the documents. Uh, I've broken news on this. That city councils will often send out in advance notice to the activists saying we're going to have a meeting on this. It's going to be at this time and this day, and they will let people get there early and plan months in advance or weeks in advance so that they can make sure it appears that people agree with uh, with this position. You've been doing this for a long time. What percentage of people who you talk to are shocked to find out that the word, the made up nonsense, gibberish phrase, transgender actually doesn't mean anything? Hmm. Well, I think that most people just believe that they're being nice and that they're just, it's kind of tolerance and it's linked with gay and lesbian rights and who wants to be a hater, you know? So, and most people have no actual idea of when you take that out to all of its conclusions, how many people are getting hurt by this, um, children, women, all kinds of people. And, you know, I think the people that are getting hurt the most are the ones that think they're transgender. Because, you know, someone needs to be kind enough to let them in on the fact that they're living a complete delusion. Yeah. And let's talk about how far this delusion extends, because if you think it stops at this made up phrase transgender, um, I want to share with you the fact that it doesn't. And if you think it's not going to affect you, I also want to share with you the fact that it already is. Uh, We'll continue Mm -hmm. to talk with Lynn Chadwick on The Todd Herman Show. Uh, Hey, tomorrow, my friend Zach Abraham, 3 p.m. is doing a live, a free live webinar. And Zach and I and my friend Dory Monson, who does a very top-notch, top-of-the-ratings radio show in Seattle, uh, he and I, um, we all chatted this morning. And what's going on in the news? Zach is going to be all over this because the current events are changing things. It's changing the dynamics of who needs long-term care. Uh, it's changing the dynamics of when you might want to draw down on Social Security. It's changing the dynamics of what it means to have a secure retirement. 
It's not just the zero percent interest rate loans. It's not just the mobbed up world of finance. It's not just BlackRock and Vanguard. It's not just the food supply chain, which is being purposely affected. All those things play into this. But then there's this uncertainty that's being installed in the chaos economy. So things have changed, but some things haven't. Um, the 60-40 stock bond mix thing that you've been taught and I've been taught, we, Zach and I, and it's much more important what Zach believes than what I believe, just I think it doesn't apply. But what always applies is risk management. And that is exactly what Bulwark Capital Management does. If you are five to 10 years out from retirement, it is vital that you learn about what Bulwark Capital Management does. This is a free live webinar. It's 3 p.m. Thursday, August 18th. Though it's free and it's online, you must register to get in. That's at knowyourriskradio.com is where you register. That's also Zach's radio show. Know, K-N-O-W, knowyourriskradio.com. Oh, a reminder, because I have to say this, because the government makes me say this or we get in big trouble. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Boom. There you go, big brother. Read your script. Lynn Shadwick was with me and we're talking about uh, the fact that this doesn't end at this made up thing called transgenderism. Uh, the two brothers, two brothers who are behind this is one is the governor of Illinois. The other is his very, very mentally ill brother who pretends to be a woman. Um, the Pritzker brothers help run an organization or at least fund it. The, the one who pretends to be a woman is with the organization, the Human Rights Commission, ridiculously named group. Um, they are pushing uh, to get to locker access and locker room access and bathroom access for boys and girls showers all around the country. But there's something else. They're pushing something called synthetic sex identities, and they are pushing this hard. And I have news for people who took the Pfizer injection. Um, there is a great study out of Japan. When I say study, I mean, they actually tried this. They took the Pfizer injection. They, they, they inserted it um, into, or they, uh, they uh, exposed human cells to it, and then they sat back and watched. And funny thing, uh, it reverse transcribed itself into the cells. It wrote itself into your DNA. You got transed. And one of their goals is transhumanism. In fact, the uh, Pritzker brother who pretends to be a woman uh, also believes he is transhuman. Um, they intend to push this idea down on your kids and your grandkids. And I would just tell you this, your, your, your daughters are going to grow up in a world where a lot of boys are being influenced to pretend to be girls and to go down this hormonal surgical path because of something called sissy hypno. Uh, so Lynn, people live in sometimes, I think we install mental cocoons to say, we're okay. This is other people's families and kids, but I mean, am I wrong or is this much more pervasive than most people think? Well, Todd, you know, I think that most people want to believe that this isn't going to touch them. But after talking to, I'm sure I've literally talked to over a thousand parents at this point, And they come from every direction, every country, every culture. There's nothing nothing that really can protect you and your family from this reaching its creepy little tentacles and grabbing at your, your soul and your child. Um, you can pull your kid out of school. You can practically live on a desert island. It is everywhere. So, no, we're not safe. We've got to completely destroy this ideology, and we need to expose it for what it is. 
we, we can't afford to ignore it. And I know that it's uncomfortable and I know that most people just don't want to get involved, but the fact is it's, it's too late for that. It really is too late for that. And I was really struck too watching all these women, all these adult males aggressively attack these women You know, when Julie Jamal was born, women had only had the vote in the U.S. for 20 years. Wow. You know, when when I was in high school, you couldn't get a credit card or sign a loan for a house unless your husband came with you. Women have fought really, really hard just to be treated like equal, full citizens in this country. And here we are today in 2022 being told that men are the real women. Oh, it's, it's, it's the height of insanity. And I'm thinking of writing a a book. The last book that I submitted to people, a whole bunch of publishers were interested, but they said, Hey, we're going to need you to take out $20 million of libel of a, um, uh, insurance, Mm -hmm. um, Truly, they said, you're going to need to take out 20 million bucks on your own if you're going to say, if you're going to use the name Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg uh, and Warren Buffett and the Pritzkers, you're going to have to take out $20 million to protect yourself from libel claims because they're going to sue you in every state. I had three publishers tell me that. But we love the book. Uh, And funny thing, I don't don't have that much money, um, but I think I want to write a book now saying none dare call it satanic. Um, all people it shouldn't be liable if you're telling the truth. No, it shouldn't be. That's, actually, their, that's their yeah. point. No, no. They said, look, we'll check fact check the book. We're not questioning your facts. What we're saying is they're going to sue you to torture you. Um, Isn't Lynn, that crazy? this is, uh, I want to write a book saying none dare call it satanic. You have so-called doctors, so-called medical professionals, so-called therapists who want to trap people into a traumatic, a, it's often a, a delusion born of trauma or conning or teen rebellion. And they want to lock people into that. Um, And it's no longer that their bodies are made in the image of God. It's all of a sudden made in the image of pharma. I can't think of anything more satanic. Right. I mean, it's crazy, Todd. And you know, um, the best statistics show that nearly one in three women, girls are sexually abused in some manner by the time they turn 18 uh, women are harassed, they're raped, they're, you know, they're intimidated. Why does this happen to women? Well, you know, women can't identify out of being female. We don't get to identify out of the things that men do to us. That is true. That is you true. Know? We can't we can't just change how we feel and all of a sudden we're no longer at risk. Well, and I think you've said this so well that the men who pretend to be women, uh, the men who want this power so often, uh, quite frankly, they were ineffective men. And, and I mean that we're mm-hmm. going to talk next hour about this, um, this oft used phrase, tax, toxic masculinity. And it's my contention that godly, strong um, like I'll say physically fit, godly, strong men are not toxic. They're never toxic. You want to know why? Because they don't tr- mistreat women. They don't mistreat children. They don't go around right. pushing people. And we're going to also talk about the party's um, ultimate attack on anything but people like this. We have this, this is article, how the rosary became an extremist symbol. We'll talk about this next hour at the same time as they're telling us all, all this men to eat soy 
Um, and hey, you you too could look like Bill Gates, but 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 they won't go and confront like for the instance the fact. I'm sorry, Lynn. I know we all don't want to look like Bill Gates, but um, uh, the I'm just laughing at men who eat soy. Well, I mean, look, I eat some soy too. My daughter's a vegan, but they want us to eat soy exclusively as protein, and that's. Hey, that's a, that's a backwards way to get transed right there. Um, you know, Bill's got a bad case of the moob. Um, but look, here's, here's um, the thing that they won't confront. What does estrogen do to the male body in high amounts or the male psyche? It, I know mm-hmm. what it does in high amounts. What does estrogen flooded into the male body do from a psycho, psychological, psychiatric perspective? Mm-hmm. Well, I... Uh Boy, that would be a whole nother program with a whole lot more medical information. I can tell you if you have questions, any kind of questions about um, medical issues related to transition, I would say probably the best website for that would be a website called statsforgender.org. It's all spelled out in words, no numbers, statsforgender.org. Um, that is a gold mine of resources. All of these questions are neatly categorized, organized, and they're all peer-reviewed articles. So if you have any questions, further questions about anything related to trans, especially um, the medical transition of young people, I would highly recommend that article, that website. Yeah. And, and Lynn, I think that language is our friend or our enemy. Language is not neutral. And so I simply refuse to use the phrase transition. I refuse to use the phrase transgender yep. unless they say um, self-identify as or so-called transgender. Uh, in the case yeah. of, of transition, so-called, the, the kindest thing I'll say is it's plastic surgery. Um, yep. it, because this is the con. And you want to speak about medical effects one of the common regrets that women have when they are conned into this plastic surgery um, is, you know, they get the, the immediate euphoria six months to a year and a half. And after that, there's the repeat surgeries. Um, and then there's the pain and the uh, physical pain. And then the situations with their kidneys that never go away. And they reach childbearing age and they realize, dear God in heaven, I'll never do this. And I have phone call after phone call now of victims of this ideology calling their doctors and their doctors are saying, don't blame me. Mm-hmm. Don't blame me. You signed a consent form. You signed a consent form. It's all on you. The lawsuits are coming though. They're coming, Todd. Did you hear that there's a thousand families now lined up to sue the Tavistock yep. in the UK? The lawsuits are coming. I hope they are deeply painful. Oh, and, and I have word for uh, people at Children's Hospital and at, uh, at Mary Bridge and the other chop shops. Uh, mm-hmm. The United States is about 10 years behind on this, but the lawsuits that come are going to be worse than tobacco. And they're going to be able to pierce the corporate veil, doctors. They're be able to, going to be able to get to you because you took a personal oath to do no harm. They're coming for you. Uh, And I would just say this as well, that God is watching. And to the young men last night uh, who were pushing women to the ground, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm really working on being discipled, Lynn. And I'll tell you what the half, I grew up half redneck and I'm very tempted to say, Hey, why don't y'all come out to North Idaho? Why don't y'all come out here and try pushing our women? Why don't y'all come Mm -hmm. out to, to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, come down and you try pushing our women, kids. 
And then the saved part of me, Lynn, says I have to turn the other cheek and just pray. Oh, it, it's tough, Todd. My my friend's husband was kicked in the nuts hard. Really? Yep. Yep. Well, and the cops mm-hmm. did nothing. Nothing. Well, they did after several of us called 911. After several of us crossed the street as they were just standing there when nothing was going on a block away. And we went, I went over and I said, why are you here when women are getting assaulted right over there? And you know, it's happening. We need your help over here. Women are being assaulted. We're at, I called 911. They said, you're on the scene. This is not the scene. The scene's happening over here, guys. And they just stood there. And finally, after several of us came over, um, they did finally, finally come over and get those, um, get the men off our, our bodies and our backs. And that was an improvement. But they were told ahead of time that we needed help and they didn't give it. Well, I, I would t- say this to the cops. I know that there's a lot of you um, who simply are holding on to your retirements and keeping your head down. And I know that you were ordered by your commands to do nothing in this case. Uh, and I would just tell you that there are worse things than stepping down from a job. Uh, there are worse yep. things than quitting. One of them is to give up your honor. And I'll also say this to the police command. Um, someone puts hands on my wife. Um, that part of me that saved, um, I get to protect my wife. I get to do mm-hmm. that. And I've mm-hmm. been around these gender jackers and I don't want to do this with anger. I, I want to be a godly man. And part of the armor of God is a woman's husband. And I'm telling you sometime, somewhere, one of these gender jackers is going to push the wrong woman and a whole bunch of gender jackers are going to get stomped. And then I bet all of a sudden, all of a sudden the cops will jump in. So God is oh, watching. Yeah, they'll, arrest, watching. they'll be happy to arrest us. They're happy to arrest us. They did They did briefly arrest one of the aggressors, but that person was immediately released. That was the only thing. And we really, we were assaulted and we did file complaints. Okay. Well, I want to follow up on the complaints. I want to thank you for um, putting yourself out there. You've been doing it for years. I think you've awakened more people than most. Uh, You've been through incredible pain because of this, and yet you keep battling. Uh, I will keep praying for you, and I'll keep being thankful for you. Um, And I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll part this way, Lynn, is just to say, um, I want you to go with God's grace and I want you to know um, that your sacrifice uh, is not forgotten. Those of us who know what it is, is not forgotten. And we love you and we always will, my friends, always will and always respect you. Huge hugs to you from afar. All right. Thank you, Todd. Lynn Shadwick joins us. That's what it looks like to be a warrior for truth. Wrap this up with a personal note next on the topic of walking that line of being masculine uh, and godly as we continue in the Todd Herman Show. I think it was, um, I would count three times that I ever saw my father use violence. And he was a guy who had to be pushed. And every time it was in defense of someone else. Uh, the first time I ever saw it with my dad, who was a gentle man, he was a, he was a social worker um, by trade and profession. 
He was a gentle man. He was a quiet man. He was not um, a weightlifter or frankly in very good shape, but he was massive. And I think I've told you before that I once saw my father (laughs) in a moment of frustration uh, break a full on axe handle over his knee. And I'm talking about a man axe. He was out splitting wood. And in a moment of frustration, I witnessed him take that axe handle and bust it with one shot over his knee. Um, I, he was capable of explosive violence. When really frustrated or when put in a position of needing that. And next hour, we're going to talk about, um, part of the things we're going to talk about is this need, this, this line between being a godly discipled man and not laying down for the party. That's, a, that's the toughest thing that I do on this show for me, not to make it about me. Uh, but we're also going to talk about how masculinity continues to be under attack and it's being erased, but it's being now shifted Now, these men who pretend to be women, they don't have to stop being masculine if you want to consider that masculinity. Um, But we'll also talk about the fact that good news is that people are waking up to this. Men are leaving college. And I think this is God acting because Americans, America as a country is forgetting how to make stuff. And that is a massive national security risk. We're going to talk about this next hour as well. And these men who, because it's largely men who are now refusing to go to college, they're going to need work. And guess what? Uh, as things fall apart in the Great Reset or are pushed apart, we're going to need to be able to make things. So I think of my dad when I think about walking this line. First time I ever saw my dad use violence, it was, it was shocking. Because to that point, I mean, I knew my dad had a temper, but I didn't ever have a concept of him employing violence against another man. And I was... Gosh, probably if I might, I might've been seven. And we were at one of those uh, backyard parties in the Spokane Valley. There were no fences for the most part. So all the yards kind of connected and we were having a party at our friend's house. Our friend was having a party and we were over and my dad's sister was there. She was at the time 16 and uh, she didn't want to play around with an older man. Frankly, he wanted to spray her with water because she was wearing like a, a t-shirt and hey, saying, let's have a wet t-shirt contest. And she was saying, no, I don't want to get wet. What she's really saying is, hey, I don't want you spraying me for your gratification. But of course, she couldn't say that. I don't want to get wet. She says, no, 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 just a little bit. She said, no, 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 I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get wet. I, I, I have to work later. I don't want to get wet. And he goes, oh, come on. And then he said some really, a, a, a really unfortunate phrase, as I recall. He said, oh, come on. I just want to take a look at those. I didn't know my mat, my dad could move this fast. He popped out of a long chair and he seized that man by the throat. And my father slammed him to the ground and he took the, the hose. And you know, one of those pressure handles you put on hoses. So it's like a pistol that shoots the water. He grabbed that guy's face and squeezed his cheeks. And he shoved that, that hose with the pressure valve into his mouth. And he sprayed it down this guy's throat And he was saying, and he was, my dad was screaming at him, you like being wet? You want more? And this guy was kicking his feet around and he's drowning. I mean, it was worse than waterboarding in a way. And I can't recall who, but it was someone really close to my dad. It's his brother or someone came and got him off. And and my, my aunt was saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. 
And I remember my dad pointing at that guy and, and uh, it, the message was you leave or I will just tear your head off. And he left and I was scared. Wow. Wow. My dad can do that. And as a social worker, he was aware of what, what a kid could feel. And so he sat me down later and said, Hey, can we talk about what happened? And I said, yeah. And he said, that man would not leave your aunt Cheryl alone. And she's my little sister. And he would not leave her alone. And he wanted to embarrass your aunt. He wanted to look at her body. And I can't let that happen. And I'm sorry if that scared you. Did that scare you? And I said, yes, I thought you were going to kill him. And he said, oh, I wouldn't have killed him. But I can't let him do that. And I would not let someone do that to your sister or your mom. And he walked that line. I, it was years later that I, I ever saw him do it again. Um, I think I was 11. And somehow again, it involved water. And a man who was running a boat and would not let my dad's black friend on the boat, Glenn. And there were four of us, one little boy, two white men, one black man. And the guy who ran the boat said, okay, so three men and one boy. And my dad said, no, it's three of us. He said, yeah, like I said, three men and one little boy. And he pointed at me. My dad said, no, it's three men and my son. And he goes, yeah, I don't take those types on boats. Well, same move. I think my dad only had one move, which was to use his size and his just mass and held that guy's head underwater until my, my dad's friend Jerry said, okay, I think that's enough. And he let him up and, and my dad said something that I think Robert Duvall must have stolen from him because he brought his head up and said, I was just going to let him breathe in water underwater for a little while. I was less scared because I understood the justice of this. And the last time my dad did that was when a man had been whipping his son with a bungee cord. And this was at when we were quarter midget racing. And this guy was, he had a, a bungee cord with a hook on it. And he was, he was whipping his son in the face with it. My dad, he didn't push, but he moved the boy out of the way. But once again, the, the patented big T move of this bulk, this boom, 400 pounds of speed and power smashes this guy up against an RV. And then my dad took the bungee cord out of his hand and he whipped him in the face four or five times. And then he said, it blanket hurts, doesn't it? And then he threw the cord, a uh, bungee cord on the ground. And he said, you touch him again while I'm here, I'll be back. And then <laughs> my dad kind of collected himself and, and turned around and there was a, 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 a gosh, a whole pit crew full of men um, and they were, all of us were standing back like 20 feet and silent. And my dad looked at the whole crowd. And he goes, what? And, we're, and men put their hands up. Like, nope, nope, I don't want any. I'm good. And I asked my dad later, will that man ever hit that boy again? He goes, yeah, he will. But not while I'm here. And I said, so what good did that do? He goes, it stopped the beating. And it let that boy know that there are men who will defend him. And this is a careful line we have to walk. 
Next hour, I want to talk about how the party is freakishizing everything related to godly masculinity. Godly masculinity isn't seeking fights. It's seeking peace. It's turning the other cheek, but, but we are called to protect the least of these. And candidly, between you and I, <laughs> I guess it's podcast, isn't it? Sometimes I forget we're not just friends chatting in the front room. We've been together for a decade, you guys. Um, most of us. Candidly, it's the part that I'm struggling with now as I continue the path of, uh, of attempting to serve, um, to, to, to let the Lord serve. He doesn't serve. To make myself an empty vessel. My desires aside, the Lord's at the center. So we'll talk about that next hour. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and really do be in prayer of what is it to be a godly man and a godly woman in an ungodly world.